when our lady said a river of blood and what i heard in 1994 there was a like a headline in new york times magazine that was a river of blood in a country of africa the exact words our lady have used when she was showing it it was now the world was able to see Hey, my friends, do I ever have someone special for you today? Immaculate Ilibigeza uh, was born and raised in a small village in Rwanda, Africa. She enjoyed a peaceful childhood with her loving parents and three brothers. Education was very important in her household, so it's no surprise that she did well in school and went on to the National University of Rwanda to study electrical and mechanical engineering. It was while she was um, home from school on Easter break in 1994 that Immaculate's life was transformed forever. On April 6th of that year, the Rwandan president's plane was shot down over the capital city of Kigali, and this assassination of the Hutu president sparked months of massacres of Tutsi tribe members throughout the country. Not even small rural communities like Immaculate's were spared from the house-by-house slaughtering of men, women, and children. To protect his only daughter from rape and murder, Immaculate's father told her to run to a local pastor's house for protection. The pastor quickly sheltered Immaculate and seven other women in a hidden three-by-four bathroom, and for the next 91 days, Immaculate and other women huddled silently in a small room while the genocide raged outside the home and throughout the country. While in hiding, anger and resentment were destroying Immaculate's mind, body, and spirit. It was then that Immaculate turned to prayer. Prior to going to the pastor's home, Immaculate's father, a devout Catholic, gave her a set of rosary beads. She began to pray the Holy Rosary as a way of drowning out the anger inside her and the evil outside the house. And it was that turning point towards God, away from hate, that saved Immaculate. In addition to finding faith, peace, and hope during those three months of hiding, Immaculate also taught herself English. Immaculate was always a good student and already fluent in a couple of of her own native language, Kinya Rwanda, and French. But only using a Bible and a dictionary, she spent countless hours in that cramped bathroom learning her third language of English. And after 91 days, the Maculay was finally liberated from her hiding place, only actually to be to face a horrific reality. Immaculate emerged from that small bathroom weighing just 65 pounds and finding her entire family brutally murdered with the exception of one brother who was studying abroad. She also found nearly one million of her extended family, friends, neighbors, and countrymen massacred. After the genocide, Immaculate came face to face with the man who killed her mother and one of her brothers. And after enduring months of physical and mental, spiritual suffering, Immaculate was still able to offer the unthinkable, telling the man, I forgive you. In 1998, Immaculate emigrated from Rwanda to the United States, where she continued her work for peace through the United Nations. And through during that time, she shared her story with co-workers and friends who were so impacted by her testimony that they insisted she write it down. Three days after finishing her manuscript, she met best-selling author Dr. Wayne Dyer, who, within minutes of meeting her, offered to publish her book. And Dyer is quoted as saying, There is something much more than charisma at work here. Immaculate not only writes and speaks about unconditional love and forgiveness, but she radiates it wherever she goes.
Immaculate's first book, Left to Tell, Discovering God Amidst the Rwandan Holocaust, was released in March of 2006, and Left to Tell quickly became a New York Times bestseller. And to date, it has been translated into over 20 languages and has sold over 2 million copies. Immaculate's story has also been showcased on 60 Minutes, the CBS Early Show, CNN, EWTN, CBS Evening News, the Al Jazeera Network, as well as in print form in the New York Times, USA Today, Newsday, and many other domestic and international publications. Immaculate has received honorary and doctoral degrees from nearly a dozen universities and colleges, including University of Notre Dame, St. John's University, Seton Hall University, Siena College, Washington University, Duquesne, um, Duquesne University, and the Catholic University of America. She has been recognized and honored with numerous humanitarian awards, including the Mahatma Gandhi International Award for Reconciliation and Peace. Immaculate has written six additional books in recent years, led by Faith, Rising from the Ashes of the Revolution, uh, Rwandan Genocide, Our Lady of Kibeho, If Only We Had Listened, Visit from Heaven, and The Boy Who Met Jesus and the Rosary. Today, Immaculate is regarded as one of the world's leading speakers on faith, hope, and forgiveness. She has shared this universal message with world leaders, school children, multinational corporations, churches, and at events and conferences around the world, including a presentation to over 200,000 people in Sao Paulo, Brazil. A major motion picture of her life is currently in development at AIM International. Stay tuned to meet with Immaculate yourself. This is the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Hello, friends. To celebrate the momentous overturning of Roe v. Wade, we at LifeSite have minted just under 10,000 of these brand new limited edition pro-life silver rounds. Now, each round is stamped with the image of the Supreme Court of the United States featuring the date that the High Court delivered this historic victory. And on the front of our pure silver rounds, LifeSite's logo surrounded by a brilliant sunburst and draped with olive branches. They, of course, commemorate our 25-year anniversary of LifeSite News. We began in 1997 in September, so September of 2022 was 25 years. These one-ounce silver rounds are available from our partners at stjosephspartners.com, where you can fulfill all of your silver and gold needs in this perilous time. May God bless you. Immaculate, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Let's begin as we always do at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So it is a great privilege for me to speak with you. I'm very much looking forward to actually seeing you in person in Omaha. And um, I'm sure my wife is too, so that would be great. Thank you. Now, you just returned from Africa. I returned from Africa a little while ago and uh, unfortunately didn't make it to Rwanda. Yes. What were you doing in Africa just now? So I was in Africa in Rwanda, uh, taking a pilgrimage to a shrine of Our Lady of Kibeho, the only shrine so far approved by the church, the Catholic Church, of the apparitions of Our Lady of Kibeho. I wrote a book about this, but Our Lady have always told us, bring my children here, bring people on pilgrimages. So I really try to honor that three times a year. Absolutely beautiful. I would encourage many people to take advantage of that. Um, where can they sign up, by the way? Where can people get to to sign up uh, for your yeah. pilgrimage tours? Oh, thank you. Yeah, I take people in March, August, and November, and you can find them on my website, immaculate.com. My first name, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. So let's rewind a little bit. Let's go into, I mean, your story is so fascinating. We recapped it there in the intro, but tell us about prayer. 
how prayer, specifically the prayer of the Most Holy Rosary, um, brought you through that oh. just that trial. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, it was really prayer. It was prayer, and I I came to realize the importance of the Rosary. You know, when Our Lady appeared in Kibeho since 1981, she always told us pray the Rosary, and she have told us pray the Rosary for peace of the country. Make prayer groups so that what is coming will not happen. So we heard, but we didn't listen really to do it and to take it seriously. So when the genocide started, it was in 1994. I was a student in college, and my parents asked me to go to hide to a neighbor who was from the other tribe and who was a good man. So not everyone was killing from the other tribe. But I remember when I was leaving, my father handed me a rosary. And it was as if his words, he didn't speak, was, I won't be here anymore, but if you need anything, you know what to do. You pray. You go to the rosary. I really heard it in my heart, but he didn't say that. He said, what can I give you? And he just gave me the rosary, and he said, go. And that was the last time I ever saw him. It was the only thing I left home with. I mean, I wasn't college girl. I had my bag, my little things women keep, but all I took was the rosary. So I went to the neighbor. He put me in a bathroom three by four feet with other seven women. We were eight. We spent there three months. So the first week, I still remember things changing. I was angry. I was impatient. I had fear that you can die just out of being fearful because what was happening was just extreme. And they started to come to search for us. So this was a four-bedroom house. They would come up to the door of the, the bathroom, and then they would go back. But we never knew if they were never going to come back. So anyway, I remember starting to pray. The first week before they started to search, I would pray, Hail Mary, I wouldn't even finish it because the anxiety was so high. But it was just not anxiety. It was also almost like feeling that, ah, how dare they do this, you know? I Self-righteousness, maybe. But when things became worse, I really went to my knees and I started to pray. So I remember yeah. praying the first rosary, the first time. You know what Our Lady, she used to say, pray the rosary for peace. And sometimes you think like it's just peace, you know, maybe in a country, in the world. But for you, yeah. even in your heart. I remember saying mm. the rosary for the first time in that bathroom for 25 minutes, I felt peace. I'm like, oh, wow. The first time yeah. I can feel peace. Then I said, let me say another rosary. So I ended up saying the rosary actually throughout the day, truly because I was just kind of like listening to what was changing in my heart. Because the mm. feelings of fear, pain in my soul, in my body. I mean, we went three by four feet. We eight women. We were literally sitting on top of each other. It was almost unbearable. And to think that somebody comes to search for you, it was like a thousand needles were going through my body. So the, the rosary came and made a huge difference from fire to a place of peace. So I end up saying the rosary from morning until night. One time I counted how many rosaries that are taking me from morning until night. I counted 27 rosaries every single day. Wow. And that I did, yeah. Because, and it wasn't like, oh, let me be a good person and pray more. It was just that I was not good for myself. I, I had no peace if I was myself. I was thinking and to think was meant to see reality, what was happening. How can three, 400 people keep searching for a bedroom and they won't find one door? It was almost impossible. So yeah. the more I prayed, I felt the power of God. It wasn't just praying, saying the words. I was talking to God Almighty who, who made me, who can do all things. And I can see, I can hope more when I was praying. So the rosary kept me 
sane, safe, because we were not allowed to speak in that bathroom. So I, I had to pray. And when I prayed, I felt as if I was visiting Our Lady, St. Joseph, and Jesus when he was born. What happened? You know, I was happy and then I would be not happy when I go through the sorrows and the glory. I was there. Wow, he resurrected. Good. He did it. You know, it was as if like I was gone. And then evening, I would close my eyes and fall asleep where I was sitting. So it really worked in many ways just by keeping me company, really, our Lord. And mm -hmm. I, through the joy, I was able to think about the life I have lived. And through the sorrow, I was able to offer God what I was going through. So that alone was just like, I can talk. I didn't mm -hmm. just need to keep it inside. I had Our Lady. I always felt I was laying down on the lap of Our Lady, holding her on, on her knees like this, like a child, you know, mm -hmm. and I, her hands just like over my head. Okay, I'm here with you. But it only came through prayer. So from that comfort alone, another part that came from the rosary prayer was the reality, the teaching. I felt like I was learning because after time, I remember I would be praying, but the bad voice almost inside, it will be there. You know, when you, you pray the rosary, sometimes your mind takes you places. And mm -hmm. the way the mind was taking me was in a bad place. They will cut you in pieces. They will rip you. They will do this. I'm like, oh, I can't take that. But I'm like, what am I going to do? Now I'm praying, and yet the body voice is still there. And I remember feeling in my heart as if a lady was telling me, pray with your heart. Mean mm -hmm. what you say. If you mean and you can hear yourself, that's when the body voice will not torture you. The fear, the you know, lack of hope, it will not come. And then I'm like, okay, good, let me do that now. I literally remember starting, our father, trying to mean what I say. I'm like, what? Our father? That will mean the father of everybody, but he cannot be the father of the killers. And I was like stuck. And then I started to feel, I felt as if somebody was teaching me. Think about it. Your father have three boys. If one of them does wrong, does your father stop being their father? Actually, he would think more about the one who does wrong. And he would worry about them more than the one who is right. I'm like, you're right. And that's when I realized, wait, I have been, I'm, maybe I was trying to, to, to create my own God, I guess, who he's supposed to be, not who he is. And that's really when I realized, no, God says in the Bible, he loves us more than we love our children. And that means if my father can still love his sons, when they do wrong, that means God is, is heartbroken, but he still loves them. They are still his children. And then I would change. Okay, good. Let me start again. Our father of the good and the bad, who art in heaven? And I would keep going until I, would, I reached to forgive us our trespasses. So all that was like, no, I can't forgive them. There's no way. They still try to kill me. It was like transformation. It really transformed me to a point where I said, God, I wish I can tell people how the, the rosary can change you. And, and now I feel like I have a chance to, to show you. <laughs> Indeed you do. Yeah. I think your book has spread the rosary, the beauty, the unbelievable power of the rosary and yeah. it giving you courage. Now you said something that you said it was the first time you were in peace. Did you mean the first time you were in peace while in the bathroom or while all that yes. was going on? Or did you mean the first time in your life? No, not at all. The first time in the bathroom. Because mm -hmm. the moment we went in, we lost peace. Yeah. We were sitting on top of each other. We, and, and before my life was, was simple. You know, I really mm -hmm. lived 
grew up in a Catholic family where we we just respected our parents and where we yeah. we lived to the letter what our Catholic church taught us. Respect your parents. You have commandments of God. Help the neighbor. Don't say bad word. Don't do anything bad because that's not what we do. Follow the church. Go to mass. The holidays, respect them. And that's what my parents did. I still remember there's no one night in my family we ever went to sleep without praying together as a family. Yeah, incredible thing that you've been able to spread the truth of the rosary, the power of the rosary, both through your book, through your witness and so many television shows and things hereafter. Our Lady, our Lord has really chosen to use you to spread devotion to his most most holy mother, the the power of her rosary. Um, Thank you. So many people have hardships that they deal with. And I think... Mm -hmm. Anger is, is a big thing because it is something that is affecting people today in various ways. You've explained how, you know, the rosary, especially the Lord's Prayer, was able to get you through that mm-hmm. to recognize first that they were, they too are God's children and we are to forgive them mm-hmm. as, um, and forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. Amazing lessons. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with anger? Um, even in your own life today? You know, uh, yes, you're right. It was it was the first time, actually, during that genocide, I truly even felt that it was possible to forgive because I still remember, again, fighting with God and in some ways in arguing inside. How is it possible? And when I remember going through, again, the rosary, the fifth sorrowful mystery, and when our Lord was dying on the cross, I still remember just like going through his words. Now that I was praying with the heart, and when he said, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they do. Mm. And again, I, I wrote, it tells more about what happened. But that what really unlocked everything. All this time, I want to forgive, but how? How do you forgive? Mm-hmm. And I really was sincere this time. It wasn't like, I just want to be myself, what I think to be right. I remember telling God, if you just only can explain to me, that how does it make sense that you can forgive somebody who is already looking for you? Have a machete, maybe kill your mom have not even apologized yet. How is it possible? Because I knew God was asking. And again, I wanted this time to say, I mean, I wanted to follow whatever God wanted, but I knew also he's a God, he's a reasonable God. Yes, we have a blind obedience, a blind faith, but also I realized that when you really want to understand, God touches your heart. So I remember when I went through this part, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they do. It was like just a moment of grace. The second part, not the first part, all this time I want to forgive, but how? Mm-hmm. The second part, they don't know what they do. That moment, it felt as if Jesus was speaking to my heart personally. And again, this was through the rosary, just meditating on a, on, a, on a mystery. They don't get it. People are trying to kill you. They don't even measure the consequences would come to them. They don't know the pain they are causing you. And you trying to be like them, it doesn't change anything. It adds to the number of madness. And that moment, truly, again, I would say, graces come from prayer. And that was one of those because I have prayed that mystery before. But for some reasons at that time, I was able to get it. It was like a light in my heart. You're right. How can somebody kill a child and think they know what they're doing? But how come they don't see it? I, I remember arguing because they're smart. They're, they're people, they're normal, they're not crazy. Because they're blinded. Blinded by what? By hatred by selfishness, by lack of faith. And all that, they would have to go through that to see what they have done. 
but learn from me. Just follow my words. I want you, you personally. So that was really the moment I was able to see they don't get it. And me trying to be like, let me hurt you because you hurt me doesn't change anything. It was almost like science, you know? How do you go to, to do what you hate most? They're doing bad to me. And yet all this time I was thinking about how can I revenge? How mm. can I become a soldier? How can, I can hurt them more. And the worst thing about anger, it becomes obsessive. You think about it and you go back and you go back. Yeah. So you ask me how I deal with anger today. That was a, such a big lesson to me during that horrible time that was really clear. And I did meet the man who killed my family. I really, I thought, let me see how I will feel if I meet him. Mm-hmm. And when I met him, I still remember he used to be a man who, who used to be dressed nice, had a beautiful family, very honorable, a man I respected like a father. But when I met him in prison, I still remember he had lost weight, he had a skeleton, his feet were swelling, he hadn't shaved in like six months. When I saw him, it was as if I heard the, the words of our Lord in, in my heart, like, you see what I told you? They don't know what they do. And you want to do that, then go through the consequences of, of evil, of the sins. They don't get it. And I truly forgive this man. I realized that if he was so smart that he would be so strong to hurt me, would he not have thought about what can follow? The consequences can come. And how do you even go to hate somebody who doesn't love themselves? And that's what happened with each one of us. When we do wrong, when we do evil, when we go against God, it's like we are going against ourselves. So it is so good to be able to seek truth because it is actually smart to seek truth because all the time I went through with anger, I used to have a headache out of anger during that time. My blood would be running faster. My whole body was aching, but I didn't know what I can do about that. That what you do, you get angry, you want to hurt them back. You become a hero when you hurt them back. No, not at all. So that was a knowledge I got and have been helping me even now in my life. The hardest thing maybe I will say now in my life, how I live, is to understand what to do. However, I know for sure forgiveness has to be. But sometimes, you know, forgiveness has so many stages and also demands a lot of actions. Sometimes somebody's trying to hurt you and you need to run. Like, like our lady and St. Joseph had to run from Herod. And sometimes you need to go towards them so that you can have a friendship, maybe explain to them. And sometimes you just have to stand up what is right and, uh, and be yourself. So th- that is maybe the hardest thing for me in my life now. But for sure, forgiveness, I must forgive. If I feel anger, which of course I live in new situations like everyone, if I go through a betrayal or something that hurts, and I feel like I wish that person maybe to, to feel what they have caused me, I, I got to say my rosary and my God, they don't need to feel it. Please help me to forgive. I was there. I fought you. I don't want to forgive. I don't, doesn't make sense. But forgiveness is always the best thing. And I know for sure it's always possible. If it was able to be possible that time in the worst situation, it can be possible now. And sooner or later, I always find myself, I have forgiven that person. It doesn't come quickly sometimes hmm. when it is hard, when it have hurt you really, but it always comes in the end. And then you can pray for the people. You can see them where they are. You can see they are risking even to go to hell. You can have compassion hmm. on their soul, N- not to wish them to hurt, but to wish them to change. Our lady yeah. used to say something so beautiful. She said, pray for your enemies. When you pray for your enemies, you rub them the power to continue to do evil. I'm like, 
that's so right because prayer is powerful. Indeed. Where did our lady say that? In Kibeho. In Kibeho. In well, Kibeho. Tell us, tell us more about Kibeho. What is Our Lady of Kibeho? Oh, Our Lady of Kibeho. I love her very much. <laughs> so Our Lady of Kibeho appeared in 1981. I was 11 years old, and somehow I started. My heart was completely stolen, you know, into to these apparitions. I still remember actually when she started to appear. Me and our friends, we were playing games about Our Lady of Fatima. I had a one girl because we were almost the same age as kids of Fatima, and we have mm -hmm. heard about the story. So we we convinced one boy to join us, and one girl with three. So every day we used to go follow the cows of our parents, and we said the rosary around the bush, and we said <laughs> the rosary, and then we're like, Our Lady will come, and it's so funny. We used to say flash, and when we say flash, we run. He's <laughs> coming, and within that time of game, Our Lady appeared in Kibeho. And I wow. still remember cried. We cried like, "No, she's supposed to come here. Why did she go there? We were kids, you know, eleven years old." So anyway, from that time though, my heart never doubted. I truly knew she was there. And my dad, we would take me to the priest, and and we would tell the priest, "We need to hear the messages because they concern us. You know, they were supposed to come to us." So I, I did, and recently, it's so funny, when I wrote a book about Our Lady of Kibeho, I interviewed the bishop there, and then I would, he would say things, I would remind him other things, and he asked me, like, how come do you know so much about this? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it was supposed to be me. <laughs> but of course, I'm not the visionary. However, the visionary apparitions started on November 28th in a high school called Our Lady of Kibeho, and uh, I mean, now it is actually Our Lady of Kibeho's school made the verb in high school to one visionary whose name was Alfonsine Mumureke. She was 16 years old. She was actually feeding, serving other children on the table. When she just lost it, then she, the spoon fell down and she saw the most beautiful woman in front of her who told her she's the mother of the word, W-O-R-D. So recently I saw her because she's a cloister nun. I was asking her, come and help me to spread the message. And then she told me, Immaculate Our Lady said she will choose those who will receive the message and those who will spread it. Maybe you are one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, she told me, remember when you shared the message, number one message of Our Lady of Kibeho was to emphasize service, to serve one another. She could have come when she was praying the rosary, when she was in the church, but she came when she serving other children with a spoon in the air, just trying to, to serve the kids on, on the table. And that's when our lady came. So I love that message a lot. I feel like I just want to help. I just want to be to be there for other people. I, I still work with that school actually in Kibeho, helping kids to go to school who can't afford. And the nuns, you know, to, to rebuild the school, which have been there for a long time. But anyway, our lady started that time. And this girl, her name is Alfonsini Mumureke. So it's, it's funny. In Rwanda, we all have our own last name. My Ilibagiza is not my father's name nor my brother's name. Oh, so, okay. yeah, it, and the na last name is given only by your father on the seventh day after you were born. So the father is supposed to think for like seven days. And then the morning of the eighth, that's when he said the name. And oh. all the neighbors come to see what happened, what happened, what is the name? It's very, very beautiful. Oh my, a child in Rwanda is like heaven, you know, like the whole community celebrates. And so, the last name of Alfonsine Mumureke 
she was very persecuted in the beginning. Her name Moreke means leave her alone. <laughs> so the people in Rwanda were like, oh, our lady loves our culture. She's using the names. And of course, she loves every culture. I mean, in every country, I feel there can be bad habits that are different than culture. But I think it's God who creates people, his own. And, and culture are a gift of God in a good, beautiful practice like that. Mm -hmm. I think it was such a confirming the role of a father. We loved it. And then she begged our lady, please appear to somebody else because they won't listen to me. So she <laughs> appeared to a second girl whose name was Anathari Mkamazimaka, who was the most pious kid in the school. Very quiet, mm -hmm. doesn't like attention. And then she had a parishion. And when her parishion started, people were able to say, it must be true. If Anatari have, and guess what her last name is, Mukamazimaka, the one who settles arguments. <laughs> the one who settles arguments. Again, it was such a little sign that, oh, our lady knows our culture. And she came, of course, speaking our native language. And the message is really the same as what she gave Fatima, you know, what she gives everywhere in Lourdes, in Lourdes. come back to God. She cried in Rwanda. I mean, the way she appeared was a little bit different, again, given to her culture. So she would appear like four hours. One day she stayed eight hours. Wow. And then one time I remember a priest from, from Europe, they said, it cannot be Our Lady because she doesn't stay this long. And then one <laughs> priest, they said, it must be Our Lady because if she's telling them she's their mother, she's behaving just like a Rwandan mom. <laughs> because Rwandan moms when they go to visit children uh, they don't just go to visit they come to investigate they come <laughs> to, to teach to, but to also see if you are behaving the way they grow you up if you are doing good you know questions talk laugh sing dance you know and she used to do all that wow. so one yeah the big message really okay in a few words was asking us to pray for the church she mm. said the church will go through a period that is really bad. She said, pray, pray a lot for the church. And then, yeah, she told us a terrible thing was going to happen to our country if we don't come back to God. But she also said her message does not only concern Rwanda, not even just Africa, but the whole world. So she mm. said, pray the rosary and make prayer groups and pray with your heart. It's in, you see how in Medjugorje she said, pray with your heart. In Rwanda, she used another word, pray sincerely. And she would, the same way she repeated three times, like in Medjugorje, in Rwanda, she always said, musenge, 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 meaning pray, pray, pray. So she really emphasized the importance of prayer, but especially of the rosary. I, I can't tell you how I love that, because I feel like sometimes you're trying to understand, like, how do I do that? What is the right thing? How much do I pray? And then you have the mother of God who come and tell you what to do. And she tells you, she said, at least pray the rosary every day, every day. Yeah. And she was asking the whole rosary. And that time was joyful, sorrowful, glorious. Yeah. And that's my God every day. If I can, sometimes I say more, but my God is to say that rosary as she asked and pray it with my heart. And sometimes my heart, of course, my mind is gone and I have to come back and like, no, let me do it again. Or, or just know that at least I know the God. She always yeah. said mass is very important. Number one, actually, she said, if I am appearing anywhere and there is a mass going on, you go to mass first because wow. I am, yeah. She said, I am leading it to my son who is life, the way and the truth. 
And of course, as a mother, she said, as a mother, I love you. I love you very much. Oh, she used to repeat that. And it would just, to this day, give me chills. I truly feel her presence so much. And she would always say, I love you. And I love you. And I love you very much. And she would say, please don't forget the love I promised you. And wow. she would say, pray that we remain together. Do good. Uh, she, was, she was a mother. She came in such a mother. I, I, there's no day I don't think about our lady, of course, through the rosary, but also just to remember how she showed herself. A mother who would teach children how to sing and she would teach them songs, you know? So it was beautiful. Many messages by the beautiful. Indeed. There's something she said about the church. What did she say about the church specifically? She said, among many messages, how she would speak about that. She said, pray, pray for the church. And she said, the church will go through a period of persecution or a, a very bad time. Pray, mm -hmm. pray a lot for the church. Pray for the priest, whom she loved, by the way. She always, this is what one time I remember I was there, and she looked at the, the place where people are sitting, and she asked the visionary to repeat, my children, I love you, I love you, I love you very much. And then she looked where the priests were and she repeated again through the visionary, I love and you, my sons, I love you all my heart. Thank you for taking my son to my children. You are the bridges he worked through to reach the children. And he said, pray for them. You don't know how much you love, you need our priest. So she really woke me up to, to the need of the priest and to pray for them and, and to love them and to see what they have done to give themselves for us. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. But she definitely said more than once how the pre the church is going to travel through a, a difficult period. So she will refer to that. And she said, pray, pray a lot for the church. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Now, when I was in Africa, I noticed, and we've been noticing at LifeSite for decades now, there's a lot of pressure coming from the West onto Africa, particularly um the sub-Saharan Africa, not South Africa, because they were already gone that way. But there's a lot of pressure to implement a lot of the things from the West, abortion, contraception, the LGBT agenda. And the pressure is very, very severe. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that yourself? And uh, what's your take on it? Yeah, you're right. I can feel that. And I, I know our countries like Rwanda is still really fighting against but I can still feel that. One time, actually, I remember going to Rwanda and uh, I was with a group of senators from the US who have taken me as a, as a, a speaker. And then we sat in a parliament. We're in Rwanda, by the way, we have now like more than half are, are women. But I remember after the genocide, they said, whoever can do it, do it. Let's do the work. We're not anymore going to discriminate from women and men. And so they really just want everyone to be able to apply and do the work if they can. And then I remember U.S. people, they said, oh, you have more women here. And one lady said, yes, in a, in a way that as if like we won over you. And then the woman and said, wait, wait, not that way. It is our men that support us. We are still a family. I am a woman. This is my husband. We are supporting each other. And we cannot go there because we're fighting each other or we conquered over you. So yeah. the culture is, very, is still very strong at least from where I am and from the neighbor countries, Uganda, Kenya, the culture of family, the role of a man, the role of a woman is very, actually very beautiful. 
So the country is very, I think people are being confused by the pressure that is pressuring them to become how people do things here. And uh, so they're still struggling, but I think uh, people are, are strong. And really, you might have things in papers, but the, like the Rwandan people, they're going to continue to be who they are. The culture of, again, if a father, who named the child is a father and is going to continue to be like that. But we feel the pressure. Indeed. And what role do you think Our Lady of Cabejo will be playing um, in the, both in Rwanda's future, but also in the future of the church? Oh, huge. Our Lady is playing a big role already because she told us what was coming. It was actually in August 15 on a big feast of Our Lady when she showed the doom that was going to happen to our country. But all that she was saying, if we don't change, that's why I love it. And I really write and speak about that because she was giving an answer to that. She gave us a rosary called Seven Souls Rosary to one visionary who already approved by the Vatican. And uh, she she said, this is a gift I'm giving you to be able to defeat evil that is going to, to go against the church, to go against people, people's faith. So because she showed us what was going to happen, she showed the children, people killing each other with machetes, calls of dead bodies. Yeah, calls of dead bodies, a river of blood. I literally remember thinking when Our Lady said a river of blood. And what I heard in 1994, there was like a headline in New York Times magazine that was a river of blood in a country of Africa. The exact words Our Lady have used when she was showing it, it was now the world was able to see. So because we saw that, and I still again remember that. I remember my mom telling me, do you think it's happening maybe in, in 100 years, 200 years? Mm. It was going to happen 12 years later. So why I feel wow. Our Lady of Kibeho is going to be listened to and is changing our country is because what she said, it did not take long. It was 12 years later, where mm. a million people died, exactly as she described, if we didn't listen which of course we didn't listen as a country. So because people hurt, and I still remember she said, if this happened, people will hurt and the only ones who will be able to survive, it will be only by the grace of God to tell of his mercy of what have been done for them. It will not be by human capacity. As she said, no one will be left without suffering. So, and that is really what happened to Rwanda. One time our lady appeared during the genocide and she said, don't cry for those who are living. Cry for those who stay, because they will be fighting with anger, different consequences. And truly, some people died. Others remain like me as a survivors with pain. I mean, when you lose 90% of your whole family, it's almost hard to put one foot in front of the other. Really, by the grace of God, we, I am able at least to say I, I survived. And uh, others had brothers who killed, who are in prison. Others who ran away from the country. The whole country, it was, it's a miracle that the country is surviving. The mir- mm. It's a miracle the country is rising, actually, which is beautifully rising, I mean, from the ashes. So because Rwandans have seen that, what I already said, again, which is not too long ago, and have seen the country being destroyed, that's when people can listen. So you can say whatever you want, but I know what I felt. You can, you can tell me, don't say the rosary. I know what the rosary did for me. So you really can't take that away from me. So to this day, because of many miracles happened on the shrine of Our Lady of Kibeho, to this day, on the Feast of Our Lady, there is like 50,000 people to 100,000. 
And during the mass, the priest have to say, if you are protested, if you're not Catholic, you can't receive the Eucharist. And why this many people come? Because they, they know this mother who came there have spoken. And what she spoke, she could have, she tried to protect us and we didn't listen. And then some people go there who are trying to get pregnant. And then the grace of God, they start saying the rosary and then they get pregnant. So many graces are being given on the shrine. So people go because they have seen the consequences of not listening to a lady. And with that alone, Rwandans are listening. And with that alone, I hope and I pray with people I take a place on the pilgrimages, when they hear the story, they see what happened because we didn't listen. They don't want to listen to anyone who tell them don't follow. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, tell me, you, you mentioned this seven sorrows of the Blessed Virgin Mary. What is that? So actually, is a, a rosary. This is one, a rosary of Our Lady. It has seven Hail Marys and seven sorrows. So Our Lady gave it one visionary, Marie Claire Mukangango, who was the head of the crew that was persecuting the other two. And then Our Lady appeared to her. And then, of course, she completely changed. And so she told her she wanted to give her this mission to spread the seven sorrows rosary. And Our Lady told her it always existed but people have forgotten about it. Hmm. So she told her, she was looking at it and we didn't see, but she would say like, mother, what is that kind of rosary do you have? And then she said, why does it have seven hair Marys? Is it the right rosary? So our lady told her about it. And she said, this is not a prayer that will replace the other rosary. It is a prayer, a gift she's giving to the world to renew and to protect them. I mean, every prayer, again, is, is a means of protection to receive graces. And this is one of those. So the first sorrow of, the, of this rosary is called, I mean, the first sorrow, the prophecy of Simeon. And then the second, the flight into Egypt. The third, when Jesus was in the temple for three days. Again, from the perspective of a lady who was suffering for three days. When she made him on the way to the cross. And the fifth, when she was standing under the cross. The fifth when she received him dead, his body, and the seven, when they placed him in a tomb. So the, the beautiful thing about this rosary, I feel privileged, it was our lady who was speaking about herself, teaching us what she felt. Hmm. So she would say things like, I felt. What hurt her most, for example, when they ran to Egypt? She said, my child was cold and hungry, and she didn't have enough milk to give him, enough food. And he was caught and said, oh, it hurt her so much. So you're like, mm. oh my God, I'm hearing this from a lady to the visionary straight. And when they made on the way to the cross, you know, how she, she wanted to remove that. She wanted to, to, him to free to himself, but she knew the Messiah was born to save us. But she said she felt the tones of her head. She felt the cross of her body. So it was just like, oh, it was so sad. And then... Uh, I remember when she, she spoke about how she received the dead body of our Lord. Again, in the first person, she said she was then able to see his body close to her eyes. And she was able to see how much wounds he had. And she said, I wondered how he was able to carry the cross over these wounds. And then she said, as she's washing his body, she thought about every stage of his life. When the angel came to her, when he was born, the joy she had when he was growing up, a teenager, when he started to preach. And the pain of a mother just explaining what he, she went through. 
and anytime I, I go through these sorrows, which I try to do every day, I, I, we actually have a prayer group. We pray these seven sorrows every day. Hmm. I just, it, I always remember my family. I mean, going to bury the remains of my family, losing my mom and dad and two brothers. And I see our lady went, what she went through. And, and that really sustained me. I mean, I'm a sinner. I'm a person. I, I, I have sins and I can turn from my sins and the sins of my ancestors. But what about our lady? She was pure. And look what she had to go through for her only son. So she always gave me strength anytime I go through the seven sorrows. I cry for her, but I feel like she, she takes care of me. She, she gives me strength. I, I wrote a book recently called uh, A Blessing in Disguise of, um, about the seven sorrows. And what our lady have told us in Rwanda, she's in Kibeho, she said, when you pray these sorrows, always put yourself in her shoes. Ask yourself, what if it was me? What would I feel? And what I heard is when therapists are trying to help people, they make them talk about their feelings. Hmm. So anytime I go through the seven sorrows, I always have to make a little time to make every sorrow just to kind of be there for a lady, console her, sympathize with her. And when I do that, it's like my, my, all the pain I have is gone. I finish it, I'm, like, I'm free now. So I call the book a blessing in disguise because <laughs> there's just something that through his wounds, ours are healed. And through her sorrows, ours are healed. I don't know how, but that's what happened. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. And I need you to tell us about your latest book. I understand you have another book. Yes. Oh, my latest is about the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Oh, very good. Yes. So that is the one. And, and I'm trying to write about the culture of Rwanda, actually, because it's such a beautiful culture, about you were asking about how country is taking the pressure from outside. but the true culture, before you get married, they had to prepare you what to expect, how to tell you which this is a commitment for life as women who are married in your, in your, in your family. And for the man, the same way, they would teach the young men or the married men, not the young men, what to expect. So they went in really knowing that this is strong. So anyway, I'm trying to write about that because... Hmm. I want to write about the culture before people forget about who we are with the pressure of the West, like you said. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So your website, immaculate.com. Yes. Good. And people can access all of your information there. Is that right? Yes. The pilgrimages I have, I take to Kibeho or my books. I send them signed. So the, the Seven Souls Rosary, which I love. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Immaculate, thank you so very much for telling sure. us both about your witness. I, I think it's so amazing. In the prophecies of Our Lady of Cabejo, she prophesied you mm -hmm. and many of your brothers oh. and sisters who are sharing the message like you are, talking specifically about those who would be saved through only through God, as you were. Yeah, what oh. a beautiful thing. Thank, Thank you, you for so staying much. faithful to that incredible calling. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Thank you. God bless you, Macaulay. You too. And God bless all of you. And we'll see you next time. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect